Power Users Episode 7, Getting Geeky with Launch Bar. Hello, this is David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm great tonight, David. How are you? I am fantastic. You know, I like nothing better than getting on the uh, microphone with you and talking about geeky Mac things. Always makes me happy. I agree. I've been excited about this show ever since we um, you floated the idea a couple of weeks ago on doing a show on one topic. And I got to admit, it made me a little nervous because this is a different kind of show than we've done before. Um, but I've had a really great time over the past week learning more and more and more about a product that I already love. So it, it's been a good experience for me. We'll see if that's the, that's the way it stays for our users or our listeners. Yeah, you know, I know we needed to do a show on launchers, and originally the idea was to do it on all the launchers, and then I got thinking, to cover Launch Bar right, which is the one both of us are using now, we're just going to have to give it a whole show, and we'll deal with the other stuff another time, I guess. Right, and I can already see the emails coming in from people saying, I don't use Launch Bar, I'm not interested in Launch Bar, I don't need this, and you know what, That that's fine. If this isn't your thing... Totally understand. Don't unsubscribe. Um, stay tuned because we're going to be back with other subjects. And uh, I think our next subject is going to be all about backup, which is a much more general topic that I think everybody will have something to learn. Actually, if you're listening to this and you think you don't want Launch Bar, listen for about 20 minutes anyway because you may find out that you need it. Yeah, just indulge us a little bit. Yeah. Um, then- one thing I think we do need to address is that this is not a sponsored show. Sadly, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> we we would let you know, and we will let you know in the future if we ever do shows for products that will be sponsors. Yes, we're just doing this because we both like the application and find it very useful, and I thought it's a great Mac Power user tool. So we thought we'd just go through it. Sounds good. Well, let's talk a little bit first about how we came to this point and how we came to choose launch bar, because I know it wasn't the first launcher app for either you or me. Yeah. For me, I started with Quicksilver and I was a serious Quicksilver nerd up until about six months ago. If you go to the Max Sparky screencast, you'll see some great uh, Quicksilver screencasts I did over the years. And um, when they came out with the launch bar five beta, I decided to just give it a try and I got hooked. You know, Quicksilver is a great application. There's some things I really like about it, but it's been out of development for about a year now, and it's starting to show I was having stability problems. And I think one of the things that got me thinking about LaunchBar was when they were interviewing the Quicksilver guy, whose name I forget, but I know he's a Google employee now. And he said that, you know, LaunchBar, uh, that Quicksilver is out of development, and it is unstable, and uh, I'm surprised pe- more people aren't complaining about that, so maybe you should go check out LaunchBar. So... When he said it, I said, well, maybe I'll give it a try. And I, uh, I really like it. There's thing, uh, there's, there are things I do miss about Quicksilver, but overall, I think LaunchBar is a great application. How about yourself? Well, I, I guess it's funny because I've been using LaunchBar a little longer than you have. I've been using it about a year, maybe a little more. Um, but I really didn't realize how much of the surface functionality of LaunchBar I was just using without really digging in to get geekier into LaunchBar. And I think you've dug in a little deeper than I initially did. And quite frankly, I have been thrilled with LaunchBar, um, just using it very basically as a launcher and to do some other simple applications. I also used Quicksilver initially, but found that Quicksilver really, although it could do a lot of stuff, um, 
I was having some stability issues. Wasn't really thrilled with the user interface, although I know you could customize that to some degree. And really didn't need it to go as in-depth with some of the stuff that it does, which sounds odd now because now that I've slowly and gradually gotten into those in-depth features with LaunchBar, I think for some reason Quicksilver almost hit me as uh, too much too quickly. And LaunchBar, I... I loved the elegant user interface. It was easy for me to wrap my head around, and then for whatever reason, I just got sucked in. Yeah, Quicksilver, I still think, has a better interface than LaunchBar, and it's customizable, so people can come up with their own. I mean, there are about 10 different interfaces you can download through Quicksilver, and then you can go on the web and find a bunch more. And I like that. I like that once in a while you can change the interface when you want to change things up. I mean, with LaunchBar, you get the one little bar. But, you know, that's not a good reason to stick with the application when sometimes it's just crashing on you with no warning. And that's what led me to LaunchBar. There's other applications out there. We're not going to discuss any of them today. But there's Butler, uh, DragThing, um, Spotlight, which is built in. Um, and another new free option in the market is the Google's Quick Search Bar, which has just really kind of come out in the last few months. And it is designed by the same guy who did the uh, Quicksilver. Now, he works for Google, and he's got their own quick search bar. And I am not in any way qualified to talk about that because I haven't, haven't while well, I downloaded it, I haven't really played with it much because LaunchBar has been taking care of me so well. But if I get excited about that, you know, we'll do an episode on that at some point. So it may be a good idea for this episode. If you're listening to the car, that's fine. We like you to listen wherever. But in particular, this may be the type of episode that you want to be sitting next to your computer for because a lot of the stuff that we're going to go in-depth, we're going to try to be careful keeping in mind that this is an audio podcast and not a video podcast where we can actually show you what we're talking about. But if you have your Mac handy and nearby and you have a free demo of LaunchBar installed or maybe if you have the app, that certainly may help out a little bit as we go through this podcast. Yeah, I think that this is one where the physical act of doing these things is where it's really going to find home for you. I mean, you can hear about it if you're driving along, and that's great. But do listen again when you get in front of your Mac, because the act of going through and using some of these quick keyboard combinations and making your Mac dance for you is its very delightful. I guess that's the word. Dance, Mac, dance. <laughs> exactly. You know, these uh, launcher applications are right in my wheelhouse. I just love this stuff where you can just hit a couple keyboards and make the thing just fly for you. And when other people watch me use my computer, especially PC users, they're just baffled because I just click a couple buttons and I've got an email open and a document attached and just magic is happening and they don't understand how it's happening because I'm not even touching the mouse. Well, I've noticed one thing that I think you and I both like to do, and that's keep our hands on the keyboard. Um, I I find that I'm much more efficient if I can keep my hands on the keyboard. I use a lot of keyboard shortcuts. Every time I have to reach for the for the mouse, I drop my efficiency and productivity. And I remember at one point I was at the Apple Store getting something tested with one of the geniuses, and he said, "Okay, I think it was my DVD drive." He said, "Well, we'll stick a DVN, launch DVD drive, do all this stuff." And I did it all from Launch Bar, and he is like. Okay, well, you're obviously a more advanced Mac user. And I'm like, well, you know, not necessarily. I've just got this really cool tool that you may not know about. Yeah. So, LaunchBar, you can get a free 30-day trial. And if you're listening to this and not driving 60 miles an hour down some freeway, uh, now is a time to pause the podcast and go download that and then come back and see us because you're going to want to play with these toys as we talk about them. Sounds good. So first things first, you've got LaunchBar downloaded. 
You install it. It's pretty easy. Drag from the disk image, drop into your applications folder. Is it usable right off the bat, or what do you do? Yeah, it's set up for you to go. Uh, there's a couple preferences, though, you may want to spend a little time on. If you go in the launch bar, preferences menu, uh, you'll see well, one of them is to set it to launch at login. If you get hooked on it, you might as well. I always do. It just That's one of the programs that automatically load for me. Um, and then if you look on the, um, let me see here, the, the general tab of the preferences, there's a thing called retype delay. And the way LaunchBar works is you start typing and then you stop. Uh, the amount of time after you stop uh, sets a counter. And once that expires, then if you start typing again, it deletes everything you've typed and starts over again. And the sweet spot there is to get it uh, short enough that you don't have to sit around waiting to retype, but not so short that while you're thinking, it erases what you're in the middle of typing. And I just leave it at the default, but that's something you want to play with. There's a slider under the general tab. I'm with you. But you can also, if you get impatient, can always hit the enter key if LaunchBar has selected correctly, and it will immediately pop open what you want. Another. What are the other preferences that you like to uh, address? Uh, well, you can change in the appearances, obviously, the type of animation, whether you want it to automatically hide when you're done with it, what type of slide-in and slide-out behavior you want it to have. And then, because I use LaunchBar all the time, not only do I set it to launch its setup, but I'm also a dock minimalist. I don't keep any applications in my dock when I don't have an, uh, them open. The only applications in my dock are the applications that are open. So I've actually set LaunchBar to not show itself in the dock, and I'd previously done this using a utility called Dockless, but they now have the option built right into the latest version of LaunchBar that will do that for you automatically. Uh, another thing you want to do when you get it started is your shortcuts. If you look under the shortcut preference pane of LaunchBar, there's control key navigation, which we're going to talk about later. I like to use the JKLI. It's just a little button you can go throw in there. And you want to spend a little time thinking about, do you want to use command space or control space to trigger LaunchBar? I've always used control space because that's what I did with Quicksilver, and I didn't want to try to reprogram my brain, but when you set it up for the first time, that's when you decide how you're going to do that. Now, I'm the opposite. I've always used command space because that's I believe, is the default for Spotlight, which I never use now. To me, it was easier to hit command space than it was to hit control space, and I just changed my Spotlight command. I'm sorry, Katie. That's all wrong. You can't do it that way. Well, the beauty is there's a little checkbox that says I can't. Oh, okay. Well, then so I guess you, you and I are obviously not switching computers anytime soon because our brains will just not work. Yeah, my head would explode. That okay. Might be fun. So <laughs> anyway, okay. So you get it going, and then the other thing I always like to do is take a look at your indexes. And the way you access the LaunchBar indexes is you activate the application with um, Control Space if you're like me, and Command Space if you're like Katie. And you look at the menu bar, and there's a line item there for index. And you just go ahead and click on that index, and it shows you everything that LaunchBar is looking at. And this is the, you know, it's an index. It's everything that the application is looking for that it's going to keep in its memory and know where to find. And the default settings are very good. Uh, the, there's a couple things I've added to it, though. Uh, chiefly among them being my Dropbox folder, because Dropbox has a lot of my documents and files, and I want all that indexed. And the way you do that is there's a little plus sign on the bottom. You hit the plus sign, just like in every other 
Apple application. You go and browse and find the folder you want to add, click on it, and it's in the index. Is there anything else you add to your index? Um, I added the Dropbox folder as well. I previously had added my Documents folder in a prior version of LaunchBar, but you say that that now comes by default added in the current version. Yeah, it should be. Take a look. If you don't see it in there, go ahead and add your Documents if you've got anything you want indexed in there. Or you can just index certain folders within your Dropbox or within your Documents folder. If you're using version 4, uh, which I don't recommend, they have a new version 5 out and it's really worth the trouble, uh, you want to add your Apple Scripts menu as well with version 4 because you can then run Apple Scripts through Dropbox, which is a very neat trick. Uh, with the version 5, which I'm going to talk about later, that's done automatically, so you don't need to bother uh, uh, manually indexing it. So once you get your indexes in, uh, you're good to go. Now, let's talk a little bit about hiding this dock icon, because I think I jumped the gun when we talked about it a minute ago. But this is always something that I have done, and I do it with multiple applications through the use of a third-party program that's free called Dockless. Um, another application that I run on my Mac is SpamSiv, and I also set that to launch it whenever I launch Apple Mail or to launch a login. Um, and then I also use Dockless to make that invisible so it doesn't show up in my dock. That is now built-in functionality with the newest version 5 of LaunchBar, but I understand there's some caveats when you do that. Yeah, when you turn it on and tell it you want to hide the dock, it gives you all this warning, because then it's going to be running as a background process, and it takes away some of the functionality. It goes through an itemization and the warning window about what it takes away, and none of it seemed all that critical. So if you're really you know, really hung up on that, then go ahead and hide the dock. I, you know, I actually just hide the entire dock on my Mac, and someday we should do a show on our desktops. But, yeah, I have it auto-hide at least for the last few months I've been working under that system, and it's kind of nice. I don't have to worry about hiding anything. Whatever I want is there. And like you, I don't keep a lot in my dock, but then if I put the mouse in the corner, I can see what's running if I want to. Well, a, a desktop show would not be very interesting for me because I literally have nothing on my desktop and nothing in my dock. Yeah, but that'd be interesting to hear how you get by that way. Very well. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Um, okay, so we've got the dock hidden, or we don't, and uh, we've got the application set up. Now let's start doing things with LaunchBar. So the big thing it does, as the name would imply, is it launches applications. And it does this very well and in a very intuitive way. The first thing it does when it loads on your system is it will go ahead and run its index that you just set up, and take an inventory, basically, of all of the folders, all of the applications that you have on your system that you have set it up to index. Um, by default, it indexes the application folder. So, for example, if you hit your, let's call it your action key, your control or your command space or whatever you have it set up as, you can then start typing either the first few letters of an application or if your application has multiple letters, you can type in the first letter of every word or really any kind of combination that makes any kind of sense. And 99 times out of 100, LaunchBar will pull up the application that you're looking for. Yeah, the neat thing is the application has brains in terms of search criteria. So, for instance, Omni Outliner is, for me, OO. If I hit Control Space OO, Omni Outliner appears in my LaunchBar. I don't think it said... Omni Outliner the first time I loaded it, though, but I arrowed down because it was on the list, and I clicked on that one with the return key. And then, ever since then, uh, LaunchBar has remembered that when Dave types OO, he wants Omni Outliner. 
So very quickly, your favorite applications go to the top of the list and with easy key combinations that you design, even without thinking about it. It's interesting because when I hit OO in Launch Bar, it defaults to OpenOffice as its first selection, and the second selection is Omni Outliner. Uh, my key command for Omni Outliner is actually Omni, is what I type, and it comes up. And it's really just a matter of how your brain works and, and what kind of key combinations you want. But just as David said, if I want OO to be my Omni Outliner uh, keystroke by default, all I need to do is scroll down to Omni Outliner once, select it, and from then on out, OO will be my Omni Outliner trigger. And it's interesting because when you open an application, generally, for instance, Omni Outliner, I'd hit OO, and I'd hit Return, and that would start the application. But ever since uh, version 4 in LaunchBar, if I just hit OO and held the second O down, it will launch the application without me even having to hit Return. But it, I don't use it that often because it's not that hard to hit the Return key, and I'm always worried about opening something wrong. But it's kind of neat that you can do that. Um, if you, but anyway, if you hit your key combination and you don't have the right application hitting up first, the way it's usually going to be on your list and you just scroll down with the arrow keys or as I was referring to earlier, the control J K L I, which allows you to navigate. So it, it in essence creates arrow keys under your fingers without having to move your your hand to the arrow keys. It's very helpful if you've got a laptop or if you really want to move fast and, and don't move your hand at all. So you'd hold down the control key, and you would hit K, and it will move down uh, to whatever entry you're at. Then you hit Enter, and you're good to go. Of course, LaunchBar can do more than just open applications, but it can also open specific documents or website or literally dozens, if not hundreds, of other things on your computer. Okay, let's talk about documents real quick, because to me, this almost pays for LaunchBar. Uh, what you do is... If you hit, you open an application, let's go back to Omni Outliner. If I hit OO, and it shows up as my first application in LaunchBar, and instead of hitting Return, I hit Spacebar, then it, it pops out a little window to the right and shows the last five documents I've opened with Omni Outliner, which is really handy. So uh, I know, because usually I'm working in the same documents for a while, so if I want to open a Pages document, I hit Pages, Spacebar, Brief, which would be the last brief I worked on, and hit enter, it opens up pages and opens up the last document I had. Same thing for Keynote or whatever application you're working in. I think that's really nice. Have you ever done that before? Oh, I use that feature all the time because more often than not, if you're working on a project and you're reopening Word or you're reopening Omni Outline or any other application, you're often going for something that you recently worked on. Yeah, today I was working on the, uh, the outline for today's show. And... I was uh, doing some research, and I kept thinking I was done with the outline, and I closed it because I knew you wanted to get in and look at it as well. And so I'd close it, but then I'd see something else I wanted to add. So I'd hit Control Space O O Space Bar, and it would show up the last document I edited, which was this outline. I hit Enter. So with like four keystrokes, I had the document open and was working in it again. And you know, doing that with a mouse would have taken quite a bit longer. So that's just a great feature if you haven't tried that. To me, that's almost worth the cost of admission for LaunchBar alone. And if that's not doing it for you, there are a gazillion other things that it will. So perhaps one of these other features we talk about will do it. I use LaunchBar quite a bit to open websites. 
Um, I tend to visit the same couple of websites. I tend to have bookmarked, you know, the same dozen or so websites that I visit frequently. And if I'm going to have to go type the URL into Safari anyway, you know, I'm kind of lazy. That's multiple clicks. I've got to launch Safari, then I've got a tab so that I can get into the address menu, and then I've got to type the web address, whatever it may be, and then I have to hit enter and let the page load. So instead, with launch bar, I just hit my control space or command space key, whatever you have it set for, and I can go ahead and type in cnn.com, and it will automatically, as soon as I hit that period, realize, oh, you're looking at a website, and it will add the appropriate HTTP, and it will set it to open the location. So I hit enter, and cnn.com opens either, I believe my default is set as it will open in a new tab within Safari. Yeah, that's kind of neat. So if you have bookmarks, you just type the name of the bookmark or something like the name of the bookmark. If I if I hit Control Space MS, then Max Sparky's website goes to the top for me, and I hit Enter, then it opens the Max Sparky website. If it's something where I know the URL and I don't have it saved as a bookmark or otherwise in the computer, if I activate Launch Bar and just hit the period without typing anything, just hit the period, then it automatically puts up the www.com and it inserts the cursor right before that. So I can type in, you know, the Mac Core and it will take me to that website with clicking enter. You don't have to bother with any of the other typing, which is much faster than opening a browser and clicking into the title bar and getting the mouse in the right spot, then deleting the stuff that's there, then hitting, you know, it's just a lot faster. So uh, the little period trick is a kind of neat one if you know the website, but you don't have it in a bookmark or otherwise already saved on your computer. And the same thing applies with bookmarks that can be quickly launched. For example, Bank of America is my um, bank that I use, and I use their online bill pay quite a bit. So instead of even typing bankofamerica.com, line trigger is BOA, and it knows that that's the Bank of America website that I want, and it will automatically pull my secure login page out of my bookmarks and launch it in Safari. So you got websites, you got launching programs. Another thing that I like to use LaunchBar for um, in terms of just application launching is system preferences because I'm constantly playing with those. And for instance, the keyboard preferences pane, which I like to make up little keyboard shortcuts all the time. Uh, I hit, um, I activate LaunchBar, hit KBPP, keyboard preference pane, pops right up for me, gets me in business. Don't have to, you know, monkey around with going to the Apple logo or launching preference panes and then finding the right one and clicking on it. So four keystrokes and I'm good. So it seems pretty obvious that LaunchBar will launch applications, documents, websites, bookmarks, system preference panes, but that's still only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So that's what it's promised. And frankly, a lot of the stuff we've talked about you can do with the native uh, Spotlight. That's true. Although in Spotlight in, in recent with Leopard is designed to be more of a launcher app. For example, if you launch Spotlight, and I find myself doing this on computers all the time that don't have launch bar in it because I use the command period keys and type in disk util, the first thing that comes up will be disk utility and I'll launch it from there. Not as easy as typing du in launch bar but it will still get the job done. So I think Apple has recognized that people want to launch apps using Spotlight, and especially using Spotlight on the iPhone. It seems to be a key feature there. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, I think the advantage is it's faster than Spotlight in my experience. Uh, 
Right, because Spotlight, if you type in disk util, will go through and search everything before it says, oh, disk utility, and it will pop that at the top, but then you've still got the search going on. Yeah, and the other thing is you can't have it automatically open the documents, which for me is just, it's just fantastic. You can also use within specific applications to do specific things. For example, one of the features that I use most often is to launch um, music or podcasts from within iTunes. It can also find songs and artists and genres and albums in iTunes. Yeah. So uh, you want to walk through that a little bit? Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it, and then we'll talk about my one gripe about it and see if anybody has any suggestions for uh, how to resolve that. So again, if I activate Launch Bar, I'm a big Billy Joel fan, um, I can type in Billy, and it will come up with a couple of people in my address book, but the top hit is Billy Joel. And then if I hit the space bar or the left arrow, the next thing it will show me is the Billy Joel albums. And my first option is Best of Billy Joel, and it says four tracks. And the Best of feature, depending on your preferences, is going to list four or five star tracks by that artist. The next item down lists his albums, and I have 14 Billy Joel albums in my iTunes. And then I can use the left arrow key or the right, excuse me, the right arrow key to write over and get those individual albums and then navigate by the songs in that album. Then the next thing it says is Billy Joel genres. So it takes, for example, Billy Joel is both in classical, pop, rock, and soundtrack because I have items from him in each of those genres. And then the list continues to fill out depending on how many items you have Omni Outliner show you by default with all of the Billy Joel songs, their ratings, and their time. And I can start any one of those songs playing or navigate through the albums, the genres, um, all through Launch Bar. So, you know, have you, have you ever had those times when you just have a song in your head and you want to hear it? You can launch it straight through Launch Bar without launching iTunes, without searching, without playing. I thought the best of was kind of a neat thing where you click best of and it plays all your four star songs from an artist, which is kind of neat. Although I have to admit, I'm more of a Chick Corea, you know, Thelonious Monk kind of guy, but it's all good. Billy Joel works too. Um, okay. So, you know, the iTunes is neat. Um, I think one of the features also that is very, uh, very useful is the searching, the built-in search templates. Um, so, in addition to running iTunes, you can also, you can actually search iTunes. So if you load LaunchBar and you click on iTunes and there's an iTunes search entry, and if you hit the space bar, you type in um, some words like, uh, for instance, Mac Power Users. And uh, you hit enter, it loads the iTunes store and does a search for Mac Power Users for you. It's pretty neat. I also use LaunchBar for all of my Google searches. And I know that sounds silly because, you know, how easy is it to launch a Google search? You open up Safari, you got the little Google bar right there. How much easier could it get? But LaunchBar also has multiple hooks built in, and you can add, you can customize it so the possibilities are really endless. And for me, I type Goog um, or Goo, and it automatically brings up Google search as my, my first item. And then it brings up, once I hit enter a dialog box, that allows me to type in what I'm interested in Google. And I will type my search phrase, and then it will pop open Safari or my default browser with the results from my search. Yeah, and the way I do that is with the space bar. So I type goo, G-O-O, space bar. And then it just it gives me a little window. I can type in anything I want and hit enter, and it opens Safari with that search done. 
But uh, there's other uh, searches that I use quite a bit. Uh, Google Images for me is G O O I. Right. And me too. I can search Google Images, uh, Amazon, or you can search particular areas of Amazon, like Amazon for books, AFB for me, and I can r- look for a book in Amazon. Uh, eBay, Technorati. Actually, if you're in LaunchBar and you just type um, search templates, um, it will give you an entry for search templates and then hit the space bar and it'll give you a list of goodness, I don't know how many different things you can search. I think it's over 40. Yeah, I mean, Wikipedia is a good one. It's got Yahoo, if you're a Yahoo guy, YouTube, uh, Webster Thesaurus or Dictionary. Uh, lucky Google, that's kind of neat, I guess, so feeling lucky on Google. Uh, Google Face Search, Flickr, I mean, just about anything you want to search online, you can do this way. And I think it is a lot faster than loading the browser, finding the page, finding the little search entry box, typing it in and hitting enter. This way, it it's just a couple keystrokes and you're off and running. And I know this is probably uh, really geeky and stupid for a lot of people, but I find the ability to skip all of those steps utterly fascinating. Right. And instead of just searching thing for things in a web browser, you can also do file browsing on your computer. I don't know about you, David, but my computer's default view is um, set to the column view. So I can look in my applications folder and then drill down and look into a subfolder in my applications and then see both my applications, the applications folder, and the subfolder within so I can drill down um, to what I'm looking for. But LaunchBar will let you do the same thing because you can search a folder, you can search a volume, you can search your home folder, all depending on what you have LaunchBar set up to index. Yeah, and then once you find something, um, you can move, copy, and do various activities with it. And this is one where I think Quicksilver actually did a better job. Uh, One of the things Quicksilver had was what I always called the comma trick, where you could hit the comma key and you could add multiple files so you could, in essence, create a stack and then move, copy, delete, and do various things with them. Um, it doesn't work as well with LaunchBar, but it is nice. You can get it. I, I think the best use for me in terms of file browsing is if I just want to drill into a certain folder, and I use it a lot, then using LaunchBar I can type a couple keystrokes, find that folder in my LaunchBar, hit enter, and then have the folder open on my desktop to start manipulating it. The other thing that's nice is Quick Look works. So as you're using LaunchBar as a file browser, if you just hit the space bar at any point that you've got a uh, a file in your LaunchBar, it'll the Quick Look will pop it up. I think that may be one of the new features in version five. Yeah, I think it is too because I don't remember seeing that in in version four. Okay, uh, how about the address book? The address book integration, I like probably almost as much if not a little more than I like the iTunes integration because more often than not if I'm searching for someone I'm looking for their contact information so again LaunchBar indexes your address book by default so you can activate LaunchBar and then start typing the name if I type Katie into LaunchBar the first thing that it opens is my address book card and then I can write arrow over And the first thing it shows me is my primary email address. And I can scroll down and it will show me all of my secondary email addresses, my mobile phone, my home phone, my fax number, my work number, my AIM account, all of the information that I have 
within my address book entry, it will show me within LaunchBar. And then I can do a number of things, and depending on how you have LaunchBar configured and there are different hooks that you can use to hook into other applications, you can then take that information and do something with it. The easiest example is if you highlight an email address, which is the first thing that comes up, and um, hit enter, it will then launch your default mail application and compose a new email message using your default account to the person whose email address that you highlighted. If you do the same, for example, on their phone number, by default, it will bring up their phone number in big, bold letters that you can see from across the room on your computer screen. You know, that's really helpful to me. Uh, the way my office is set up, our phone system, and this is goofy, but it's, it's like behind my desk on a credenza, and it's not near my computer. Hmm. And I can't see the numbers on my office computer when I like go to call somebody because I just I can't see that far. And, but I also always have my MacBook there, so I'll use LaunchBar and find a phone number and make it in the big type, and then I can see it across the room, uh, even for some old dude like me, and it's very <laughs> helpful. The- there are also hooks that are built into different applications that instead of having it display big and bold on your computer screen, you can also, using an Apple script, send it to Skype, or as you were pointing out, if you have the Vonage companion installed, you can use an Apple script to send it into Vonage. So one of the the beauties about LaunchBar is it is completely scriptable that you can then use it to hook into other applications and do other things for you. Yeah, and the address book plugin is really powerful for some other things. Like if you're sending someone a letter and you want to get their address or copy their address into an email or something, if you pull up, if you pull up my name in LaunchBar and you and you right um, arrow over to the address line where it shows my address and you hit Command C, you just copied that address field and then you can go into your email or whatever, hit Command V and drop it in. So, do you use the address book to do anything else, such as Google Maps or? Uh, not so, not so much to be honest with you. I don't need Google Maps that often with an address book entry. I know it's neat that you can do it, but I just don't need it. Okay. Another feature that you mentioned using that I really hadn't used much was the clipboard. Tell me how that works. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of an application, a menu bar application, that uh, kept all of my uh, most recent text clipboard entries, and it's called Jump Cut. It's free, and it's still a great app if you need it. But um, LaunchBar has its own clipboard manager, and it actually works very well. So as I go through the day and hit Command-C, it keeps track of all of the clippings that I've made. And then later, if I want to put one of them in, I activate LaunchBar. And for me, I just hit um, CH, which is clipboard history. And then you hit the space bar, and it gives you a column with a list of all of the clippings that you've made. And you can scroll down and pick any one of them, hit enter, and it drops it in wherever your cursor presently is. It's a very nice little way of managing your clipboard. Have you tried it since uh, we started the outline? I did try it since you started the outline and put it in there, and I think it's probably something that I would use if I could remember all of the different things that LaunchBar does. If you work with text a lot, it can be very helpful because you know you, you reuse the text, but you don't always reuse it in order. So you can go right. through, hit CH, space, and fill in something you had from before, saving you the trouble of going and tracking it down again. Um, they also have a new feature called Clip Merge, which allows you to stack clipboard items. And that seems to get me in more trouble than anything else, because then I start um, pasting multiple items with one paste, and I don't really like that. So I turn that off. 
Now, I have used a feature that's somewhat related called Instant Send, which allows you to take text that you've highlighted, let's say, for example, an article or a paragraph off a web page and move it into another program. And I use this more often than not when trying to email somebody a bit of information. So, for example, if I'm using Safari, I will highlight a block of text. And normally, if I wanted to email that to you, I would copy the text, launch Apple Mail, paste the text, and say, here's what I found, and and send you off the email. But in LaunchBar, if you highlight the text and then press and hold your LaunchBar command, you'll see that text will show up in launch bar and there will be an orange arrow on the side. So then you decide what you want to do with it. Um, For example, if you want to send an email to it, I would start typing David, which would launch your address book card, hit enter because the default action would be to send you an email. And all of a sudden launch bar without any interaction on my part is going to copy that to the clipboard, open a new mail document, uh, prepare all of the information to send that mail message to you using my default mail message account, and then we'll paste that information into the body of the email. You know, a really good use for that is links. Sometimes if you're on a website and you just want to send the site to a friend. Uh, oh, absolutely. Click to highlight the website address, then click uh, your activate launch bar and hold down the space bar, and just with a couple keystrokes, you can send that link off. Right. Another new feature that I am using all the time now that I know that it exists in the new version of LaunchBar is to schedule things in iCal because I am the type of person that if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't get done. And I tend to have trouble sometimes getting items in my calendar because I write them down on a post-it note and think that I'll get back to them because I don't want to open up iCal right now and stop what I'm doing. But LaunchBar makes that very easy to enter an event in your calendar without ever taking your hands off the board. When you're doing one of these entries, uh, there's a couple steps you have to take and you have to follow specific, specific syntax. The first thing you have to do is identify the calendar. And you can either do that by typing out iCal and then space and it gives you all your calendars or the specific calendar. For instance, for my office, I have a calendar called legal. So if I hit uh, control space and then type L-E-G, then it comes up with my legal calendar. Then I hit space and it gives me the iCal entry form. So once you get to that point, uh, then the syntax is description with a space key, then the at symbol, then a space key, and then the date and the time if you want the time. So for instance, if I, if I typed in uh, an entry for, you know, record Mac power users with Katie space at symbol um, Saturday at 9 a.m., then it would create an entry for me on Saturday at 9 a.m., to record a Mac Power Users with Katie in whichever calendar I had identified it with. And it's the default length is one hour. I wish you could adjust that, but I haven't figured out how. I don't think it's possible. Actually, you know what, now that I think about it, I think you can set the default length in the preferences, but you can't change it. Well, Uh, and I think if you use the syntax, you can also do like 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and it will change the default length. I did not know that. Let's test that theory. Have you done that? I think so. Okay, so let's do it real quick. Okay, returning using the magic of podcasting, we have confirmed <laughs> that indeed you can set the end time, and I was just not smart enough to figure it out. Yeah, that's so, all right. Uh, the other uh, the question we had about this was how do you set the location, and that's one where I have not found a way to do it. It doesn't appear that there is a syntax to allow you to set the location with a quick entry. You'll have to go back and do that manually. 
I sent an email off to Objective Development, and I haven't heard back from them. If there is some special way to set the location, if there is, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Now, you can also do to-dos in iCal, or I guess you can record to-dos in iCal, which I don't use the to-do feature of iCal a whole lot because I have other applications that I think manage that a whole lot better than iCal does. But that's very simple using the same type of syntax. You open up LaunchBar, you tell it iCal, and then you can put in a description and then the due date, very similar to how you put in description and then the date and time of an event. You can do the same thing with to-dos. So we nailed all the uh, iCal stuff? I think we've hit everything that it can do in iCal, and uh, hopefully we'll see a little more functionality in the future with something such as being able to put the location in, because I think that's an important feature that is lacking. You know, you were talking about instant send earlier, and I forgot to mention another nice feature in LaunchBar is if you have a folder open in certain icons, you can activate those simply by clicking on them with your mouse once, and then holding the uh, activation code for launch bar down. So for my case, control space, if you hold it down, then it opens the launch bar window with those documents activated and you hit the tab key and you can mail them that way as well. So rather than uh, hunting it down through um, searching it through launch bar, you can actually select it with the mouse and automatically drop it in. Excellent. You can also drag it onto the icon and you can also drag it directly into the launch bar window. If you, Which I guess would be a downside if you don't have the icon showing in the dock. Yes. Uh, there's one of them, I guess. Okay. Uh, how about the calculator? I use the calculator in LaunchBar to a limited degree if I'm not doing multiple strings of numbers. For some reason, I tend to typo far too much to do multiple strings of, of numbers using the calculator in LaunchBar. It's, it's very similar to Spotlight. You can open up a line of calculation. You can use commas and priorities, and you can do all kinds of neat things with it. But I've never been the type to um, use a calculator by typing numbers across a line. For some reason, I feel much better just getting out a calculator out of my desk drawer or using my iPhone. I think if you are an Excel user and are used to putting formulas in Excel, this probably is a little more natural. Uh, One thing about the calculator is that uh, anytime you type in a digit, it, it automatically jumps into calculator mode unless you turn it off. And I'm uh, thinking about doing that because every time I type one password, it wants to jump into calculator. But yeah, I've, see, uh, I had to I had to change my key for one password to be pass. Yeah, I've done that too, and I I think I've retrained myself. But for a while, it was kind of frustrating. Well, that's kind of the big ticket items with LaunchBar, but there's a lot of tricks you can do with it if you go a little deeper. So, I think we should. Let's go a little deeper then. Yeah. Uh, what, one of the additions with the new version of LaunchBar is Actions, uh, which allows you to perform an act on a file. So going back to what I was discussing earlier, where you select a file and drop it into LaunchBar, or KD's method of, of hunting it down through the LaunchBar um, system. So let's say we find a, a JPEG file, for instance. Um, you can do more than just launch the file or attach it to an email. You can actually commit actions on it. And for instance, you can resize it, which I think is really neat. So just to give an example, if you've got a um, screenshot on your desk, a PNG file that you took, and you want to email it to someone, but you want to shrink it down one half, uh, you just click on it once with your mouse to highlight the file, or you would search it out through the launch bar desktop, and then you hit spacebar and select the file. Then you hit the tab key, 
and then that brings up the available actions. And if you start typing resize, you'll see a variety of resizing functions. You can make it 33% or 50 or 75%. But let's say you don't want it to get too pixelated, so you say 50%, and you click Enter. LaunchBar automatically saves a one-half size image right back to your desktop. You can also use LaunchBar to do other actions, for example, compress files using much of the same method that David talked about. You can find a file or drag a file into LaunchBar and then pull up the actions menu and create a zip archive or a, a tar archive or a .gz archive of those files. Um, another thing that I use LaunchBar for very frequently is to look up a word in the dictionary. More often than not, um, I'll, I'll want to make sure that I'm using the word that I think that I'm using in the dictionary uh, or perhaps look up a, a similar word. Um, so I can start, I can type, for example, my key command is D-I-C-T pulls up the dictionary and then go ahead and type the word that I'm using. Or if I've got the word highlighted, I can then throw it into the dictionary using launch bar. Yeah, I'm, I'm a text geek, among other things. So I like to work with text a lot. And in Safari, sometimes I'll see something I want to use somewhere. And if I, if I highlight it and copy it and paste it, it always drags all that web-based formatting into wherever I'm putting it, which causes grief to me. So I like the idea of being able to paste simple text and take all the formatting out. Using LaunchBar, you can do that. You just need to highlight the section in Safari of whatever text you're looking at. And then you activate LaunchBar uh, control space by holding the space key down. And then it does that. Whoops, here, I'm going to do it while I'm talking. Then it, it automatically selects that text. And if you hit the tab key, then you can say copy as plain text. So for me, it's CPT, but it'll be whatever you want to use as you start going through it. And you hit enter, and then you've got that text saved into your clipboard without all the formatting. So you can drop it in wherever you're going to put it, and you don't have to monkey with all the strange formatting. Which is great for applications that don't have that paste and match style command. Yeah. And it's just great for having a clean clipboard with, you know, if you, there's pieces you want to use and uh, you're going to drop into different, differently formatted sections of a pages document, then it, it'll adopt local formatting and not cause all kinds of grief. Right. Um, getting back to the problem I have with seeing numbers, uh, sometimes there's a phone number on a website or in an email. I haven't imported it into an address book and I want to be able to see it across the room, you know, back to my old problem, uh, you can display as big numbers. Same thing, you highlight the text in whatever application you're in. Uh, control, hold the space bar down until the number pops up into your launch bar window, hit tab, and then for me it's just DIS for display as big text. Hit enter, and you've got it all the way across your Mac. Now, there are a bunch of other actions that LaunchBar will use. Are there any others that you use specifically that you want to point out, or do you just want to run through the list? Yeah, we could talk through them. I mean, there, there's just, there is just a lot you can do. You can control applications. You can, you can quit. You can empty your trash. You can restart your Mac. I mean, just about anything you can imagine, you can run through an action. But the way to find out is just hit Activate LaunchBar and type Action, and you'll see the action list hit Spacebar and just scroll down through it, and you can see all the different things you can do. Uh, if you're an Entourage user, there's a whole bunch of Entourage uh, actions. Now, one of the big features of LaunchBar is that if everything we haven't talked about isn't enough, 
Launch Bar can be almost infinitely customizable through adding different search templates or adding customizable Apple scripts, or there's a whole community of people who have written Apple scripts that use Launch Bar to plug into different applications. Yeah, it, it runs an Apple script. So if you if the if the functionality you've already heard about isn't enough, you can write your own. And there's a lot of people who've been doing that. And there's actually a a forum. We're going to put the link in the show notes where these have been collected. And there's quite a few that are very interesting. I mean, there's one to post to Twitter. Um, what were some of the others I saw? Uh, there's a Wolfram Alpha. I always say that wrong. Wolfram Alpha uh, search template that you can use. That's a little different. Um, in addition to running scripts, you can also add search templates. So as we talked about earlier, if you type GOO, you get the Google search template. If there's a, a website that doesn't have a built-in search template yet, you can create your own. Um, I've never thought about it, but I guess I could put like a Max Sparky search template in there and search my website with a couple clicks, which would be useful to me and maybe my mom. But there anyway... Uh, so someone has developed one for Wolfram Alpha. That's kind of neat, and uh, we're going to put a link in the show notes that shows you how to do it. But basically, you go in and put the the magic language that you would use on the internet uh, into your search window in uh, LaunchBar, and then you can very easily do a Wolfram Alpha search. And there are some others, and there's a there's also a list of those on a separate forum. So in the show notes, we're going to have links in terms of additional search links and then additional Apple scripts. But getting back to the Apple Script subject, there are some very neat um, applications that people have developed. Uh, one of the applications that is very popular in Quicksilver, and I actually did a, um, I did a screencast on it. It's a timer, so you could uh, very easily create a countdown timer and put it in, and it uses that big text in OS X across the screen to give you a timer or an alarm at a certain time. And talking about going full circle, <laughs> when I was researching for this show, I mean, that's one thing I always kind of missed about Quicksilver was the easy timers. Um, I went and researched it, and there was a forum a thread, and it still exists in the Launch Bar forums, and it's got 2,000 views. It's been up there forever. And someone had put a link in to my screencast uh, talking about Quicksilver, saying, hey, you know, this geek on Quicksilver, you know, this dork who did the screencast, how come we can't do that with Launch Bar? And so this whole discussion started up, and they developed a script to uh, to run timers in Launch Bar that was prompted by my uh, screencast about doing them through Quicksilver, which I thought was quite funny. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so th- that's up there, too. We'll put that in the show links. But So you can put that in. Uh, to make a long story short, the way I got over it, I didn't use this Apple script. I instead just got a great little widget called T-Timer, because actually the reason I want the timers is I'm, in addition to being a Mac nerd, I'm a T-nerd, so I like to brew my tea in an exact amount of time. There's a widget for the Mac that does a really great job of it, and uh, I guess we'll put that link in as well. See, my Mac is upstairs and my oven is downstairs, and sometimes I don't hear the timer if I set it on my oven because I'm upstairs playing on my computer, so I, I could use that to set the timer to make sure that my dinner doesn't get burned. Well, you could do it in the launch bar, or you can do it with T-Timer. Uh, so there's a variety of applications. It's really limited to your imagination. If uh, you wanted to create a, a special Apple script that took your OmniFocus list for the day, turned it into a text edit document, you know, formatted it 24 points, 
printed it in verse in Greek and uh, shot it at your printer, you could create that whole Apple script and then link it in LaunchBar to, uh, to an action and do the whole thing with a couple keystrokes. So really, if you can create an Apple script or an automator action around it, you can do it in LaunchBar. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, an important point is if you're using the old version of LaunchBar, version 4 or earlier, you need to go ahead and go put that action into the standard Apple Script location, which is in library application support. Um, uh, but with the new version, uh, version 5, there's actually a specific folder for it. It's in, uh, I'm sorry, before, uh, I'm getting confused. In version 5, you put it in library application support launch bar actions. They've got a specific folder for it. Before uh, version 5, you had to put your Apple script into your normal Apple script folder and then add that to your index. So if you know what I'm talking about, that makes sense. There you go. Now, we've talked a lot about launch bar this episode, and especially if you weren't sitting in front of the computer, and probably if you were, there was a lot of stuff that maybe didn't make sense or maybe stuff that you need to go back to. What were some of the resources you found while researching this show that helped you find kind of a comprehensive list of what LaunchBar can do and how to do it? Uh, for most of the basic stuff we did, the LaunchBar website has plenty of uh, support. They've got documentation, and then the help menus are there as well. Uh, a lot of it, for me, I thought was just getting your hands on and doing it. It's really not that hard once you know a few tricks. Uh, you know, selecting by holding down the the space bar with your activation key really gets you going. Hitting the tab key, you know, after you've got something selected, then it just gives you all these options. So a lot of it's not that difficult, but if you have trouble, you can go right onto the website. Uh, there's also some very good, although a little bit dated, screencasts that uh, Don McAllister did over at Screencasts Online. He actually did a series of three. With each one, he got a little bit geekier. And I did watch those before preparing for this episode. And they didn't go in-depth with some of these features. And certainly they were done with earlier versions. So they don't include a lot of the newer things, such as iCal scheduling uh, and some of the other things that we talked about. But... I believe most of those are available on his website. Some of them are uh, extra-only shows, but some of them are, avail are available as free downloads. And Macworld has a very brief video. I think it's about five to seven minutes about LaunchBar, but certainly does not go anywhere near as in-depth as Don McAllister's screencast does, but it does give a general overview. Yeah, It's really a fantastic little application. Uh, my recommendation is you, you get it and you and you break it up into little pieces. You know, find the things that you really needed to do and get used to those, and then go back in a couple months. Uh, if you're an OmniFocus geek, give yourself another task in two months to go back and learn a couple more pieces of it. Uh, I just went in full bore. When it, the beta came out, I decided if I'm switching from Quicksilver, I want to just know everything about it. So I, I sat down the website in front of the TV and uh, spent an hour going through all of the stuff, and it's really second nature to me, and I just fly on this computer. Okay, so what are the parts of Quicksilver that I'm missing after be gone, being gone for six months? Uh, I'd say the first one is the comma trick, you know, being able to select multiple files through the browsing method. Um, and that was really nice also for selecting multiple people. If I wanted to send an email to Katie and Victor and some of my other podcasting friends, I could do that in Quicksilver using the comma 
And in LaunchBar, the only way to do that is to have an address book group. And it's not easy to make an address book group on the fly, so it's not really a, a solution. Uh, another thing I miss about Quicksilver is the look of it. Like Quicksilver had a cubes user interface that just I thought looked fantastic, and I miss my cubes. Hmm. Uh, see, I actually prefer the lunch bar user interface, but I guess that's personal preference. I miss the t- the timer until I found the tea timer, and now I don't miss it anymore. Um, you know, it, overall, I'm really happy. I don't miss the fact that sometimes I'd go to use it and it just wasn't on because I didn't have it in the dock. So when it would crash, it would just kind of disappear and I'd be repeatedly hitting the key combination and getting frustrated. <laughs> Nothing would happen. <laughs> until I'd realize, oh, wait, I broke it. Now, then I'd have to go into, um, then I have to go into the spotlight, which I don't use very often. I have to get spotlight to try and find Quicksilver to launch Quicksilver. You know, it just it was just a pain. So I, I don't think I've ever had the program uh, crash on me. No, I've I've never had Launch Bar crash. And you were talking about Spotlight, um, and there actually is a key combination. If you don't use, you can change the Spotlight key combination if it conflicts with your Launch Bar application. But there is also a way that you can pass through commands from LaunchBar to Spotlight. So you can use LaunchBar to search with Spotlight. Yeah. Well, I think if you've been listening this long, you're more than just interested in LaunchBar. You are a Mac Power user. That or you had nothing better to do. Yeah. Or, or you're really sleepy. Yeah. You're probably asleep by now anyway. Uh, but LaunchBar is available from Objective Development. That's at obdev.at. Uh, it is 24 euros, which as of today converts to about $34 for a single license. Or it is 39 euros for a family five-pack, which converts to about $55. If you own a previous version of LaunchBar, you can upgrade to the single license for 9 euros, which is about $12.80. Or you can upgrade to the family version for 17 euros, which is about $24. However, the good folks over at Objective Development have given us a special deal for Mac Power users' customers – and you can get a 15% discount between now and August 31st, 2009. You need to enter a coupon code over in the discount section, which is in the right-hand column of their shopping cart page. Once the coupon code is entered, the discount will automatically show up in the shopping cart. That coupon code is DT-37F9-D8EB, and that is in all caps. Now, if you miss that, Check out our website at www.macpowerusers.com, and we'll have that information there as well. Yeah, and if we miss something that you like about LaunchBar, I encourage you to go to the comments on the website and tell us your favorite LaunchBar trick. Right. And uh, speaking of comments, we actually had a lot of people write in about previous episodes. Yes, we did. Um, I got some interesting email from Connor uh, concerning a migration assistant via USB. Apparently, it's easier than we thought. Yeah, that's new. Apparently, migration assistant does work via USB with a USB hard drive. However, you cannot migrate from Mac to Mac via USB because a Mac won't start up into target disk mode via USB. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I you know I I just didn't use it with USB. As I said in the episode, I'm really more about just starting over. But that's good Good to know. 
Uh, our second email was from John, who wrote in to tell us about um, my, using Migration Assistant on Fire. He also pointed out that it can work with USB, uh, but then pointed out that we claimed Ethernet was slower than FireWire, and FireWire is either 400 megabits a second or 800 megabits a second, while all the Ethernet ports on a Mac or gigabit. And that is definitely true. I mean, I certainly can't argue with the fact that gigabit Ethernet is certainly faster than FireWire 400 or FireWire 800. But I will tell you from my personal experience trying to migrate over FireWire or trying to migrate over Ethernet, my FireWire speed has always been a faster migration. And I think you mentioned that you had had the same experience. You know, it's strange, but that that's true for me, too. I've done it both over Ethernet and over FireWire, and it both times it's been faster and significantly faster for me. It's been about the, yeah, it's been about the same amount of data too. So I'm sure there's a reason for that, and I don't know the the explanation, but it's good to know. And and he's right. The uh, the gigabit connection should carry more data, but it just doesn't seem to work that way. Uh, okay, we got an email from Mark asking about uh, transferring to his new Mac, and he said, "Well, how do I move my?" iTunes and my, um, you know, my iPhoto library. And, you know, it's a funny thing. I guess we should have addressed that. And you just, you just copy the library over. If you're rebuilding from scratch. And um, you're not using migration. Exactly. And you've got a new Mac and you want to put your iPhoto library, you just literally put it on a USB drive or target disk mode into your old Mac. Copy the uh, iPhoto library into your photos or your, what is it, your pictures subfolder in your user account. And you can go ahead and delete the existing one because it's got nothing in it. And the next time you boot assuming up, assuming you haven't set it up already, assuming this is one of the first things that you're doing as you're setting up your new Mac. Yes, I'm assuming that there's no data in the existing library because if you delete the old one, obviously it's gone. And then you bring the new one over, or I'm sorry, I guess you bring the old one over and delete the new one. And the next time you load iPhoto, it'll work. And the same thing is true for iTunes. Uh, however, make sure that you consolidate your iTunes library after you bring it in so it makes sure that everything goes into one place. Absolutely. that's that's. I keep my iTunes library folder consolidated by default, but that was probably something we should have mentioned. Before doing the migration, if you are doing it this way, you probably want to consolidate that library. You know, it's funny. I, I hadn't consolidated for some time, and I've kept my iTunes library on an external drive for some time, but for some reason all my iPhone apps were on my C drive. And it's just because I hadn't consolidated. I finally got around to doing it, and then it, it sent all the apps over to the to the external drive, and now everything's in one place, which makes me feel a little better. Did you just say C drive? Yeah, it's my old uh, you know Mac, uh, my old PC uh, roots coming out. Uh huh. <laughs> Moving on. Don't throw me off, please. <laughs> we got an email from Jose that brought up a couple of points that we we probably should have mentioned in the last episode. Uh, Jose mentioned the point about running your user account by default as an administrative user. Um, and even if you're a more advanced user or especially if you're a basic user, you probably don't want to be using an administrative account day by day um, simply because you're a lot more vulnerable to some security issues. So Jose recommended, and it's a good recommendation, um, that set up an administrator account, but then do your day-to-day -day Mac work in a standard user account. And I'll admit this is something that I don't do. I know it's a good idea. I know that I should, but I don't. You know, I was about to say the same thing. I, I know that I'm supposed to do it, and 
I know that some of my podcasting friends are going to send me nasty emails after they listen to this, but I've just never got around to doing that. And you maybe- know what? I want to see there, Max, because I bet they're running an administrative account too. Yeah. He also brought up the point that your applications don't have to be stored in your main applications folder. You can have an applications folder within your user folder so that if there are specific applications that you just want specific users to have access to, they can because anything in the main application folder is by default going to be accessible to all of the users on the computer. We also got a comment from Jono that I thought was a really good idea. And he said, when you're setting up a new Mac for a friend, put a Dropbox account on them. And that's uh-huh. a way they can have some cheap backup. And also, they sh- you share the account with yourself. So when they give you the inevitable call and they need you to send them some big file, uh, you've got your own way of getting it to them without having to, to monkey around with stuff. That's true. Though you're, you are kind of setting up a backdoor, aren't you? Yeah. I, I've done that for some friends um, uh, a friend of mine had a Mac, and she hadn't bought a backup drive yet. And I kept asking her to, and she said, you know, I can't afford it right now. So I set her up with a Dropbox account, so at least her documents were getting backed up to the 2-gig Dropbox. back up a lot of important stuff in 2 gigabytes. I know it's it sounds like such an insignificant and such a small amount of space, but you can back up uh, some of your most important documents in 2 gigabytes. Yeah. Well, I thought we had great feedback from the last show. Yes, um, thank you, guys. I'll, I'll be interested what kind of feedback you, we get from this show. I have a feeling people will either love it or hate it. So, Well, that's okay. Don't you know, hate it. We're not going to, uh, you know, the, the whole idea behind you know, the Mac Power users is to go crazy on stuff that's exciting to us. And I know that some of it is not going to be exciting to everybody, but hopefully a few people like it. And it's uh, been our experience on the shows where we get detailed on, on limited applications that we get a lot of. Uh, happy and unhappy email, but that's okay, too. Uh, but the next show is going to be about backup. Yay! This is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. I am all about backup. And I think interesting, because we're going to see next week who's crazier, you or me. I think we're going to find out that we're both crazy next week. Yeah. But it's also, I thought, interesting to note that of all the show requests we've had, I think backup by far has been probably the largest. A lot right, of people have asked that we've kind of avoided because we figured, okay, by this point, everybody knows how to back up and everybody has done shows on how to back up, but everybody keeps asking for it. So away we go. So if you have a specific backup method that you use, or if you have questions about your backup method, or even if you have feedback on this launch bar episode, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. First way is through email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. If you want to share your comment, not only with us, but with the listeners at large, you can also add a comment to our blog page. You can find our website at MacPowerUsers.com. You can find all kinds of information there and links in the show notes, as well as places to comment on specific episodes, as well as links to subscribe in iTunes and follow us on Twitter and all that good kind of stuff. And you can also uh, leave us feedback with Twitter at uh, MacPowerUsers. That's right. I'm working on getting us a Google Voice invite. Those seem to be trickling out slowly but surely, so maybe we'll have some news on that. And that would future. be kind of fun to have some feedback uh, with, uh, with some actual people talking. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I wanted to thank everyone today. I hadn't gone on iTunes for a while. I, I looked today at all the fantastic feedback we've been receiving, and it's just 
it's wonderful. I, you know, I had a kind of a rough day and I read how much everybody loved our podcast and it really made me happy. So I wanted to thank everyone who's been giving us feedback on iTunes. It's we, really humbling. Yeah. It's fantastic. And, and, you know, we're, we're kind of staying up there. So people are finding us and that's important. You know, I, I don't want to be the guy speaking alone in the cave with no one listening to me. So it's kind of nice to see that we're getting new listeners and getting that kind of exposure. And we really have the listeners who have been giving us that great feedback to, to thank for that. And we really appreciate that because uh, comments are directly related in iTunes to exposure, and exposure is directly related to subscribers. So uh, the more comments that you leave, the more iTunes take notice of it, the more we get featured, and the more we ultimately get subscribers, and the more subscribers uh, gives us more options in the future to do some other things to expand the podcast. And we've definitely been getting no shortage of emails for people with with great ideas on on how to expand and, and other things to do in the future. And uh, we are we are taking copious notes of all of that and hope to implement some of those things in the future. Well, Katie, thanks for uh, coming on with me tonight and listening to me rant about LaunchBar. It's been a geeky kind of night. I appreciate you kind of taking the lead and, quite frankly, teaching me a whole lot about LaunchBar. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's hard to justify, justify spending the money on a launching application when you've got one built into OS X and there's things like Quicksilver that are free. But I think the combination of stability and additional features really made it for me a no-brainer because I have definitely gotten my $35 worth of time back out of this easily. All right, David. Till next time. All right. See you then.